Welcome to Pottercast, the official podcast of the Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. You hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. And now, Leaky's own, Melissa and Ellie. Hello, Potter Pygmies. We're going to try and keep it rolling themed for a while, see how many P words we've got in the actual text. Thanks to to listener Jace for that suggestion. Welcome to Pottercast number 29. I have a feeling it's going to be the best Pottercast 29 we've ever done. (laughs) Gotcha, John. Um... We've got a great show for you this week. We interview a fan who is on the Goblet of Fire DVD. She managed to win a contest to go and interview the main trio of kids, so that's exciting. We have a return of our Extendable Ears segment with some more from Stuart Craig, who recently won a BAFTA and was nominated for an Oscar for his work as production designer of Harry Potter. And we've got the usual craziness with the mods and Sue and John, the mail, and all that good stuff. So enjoy! Listening to the news? Again? As if a normal boy cares what's on the news. Hello everyone, Sue Upton here with your Harry Potter news recap for you for this first full week of March. The Sunday Times newspaper reports that Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling will give a special reading from one of the Harry Potter novels at a party being held in honor of the Queen's birthday on June 25th. The BBC will broadcast a 90-minute show from this event, the theme of which focuses on children's literature. Leaky has confirmed that Joe does not yet know which of the six novels she will be reading from, but this is all very exciting news, of course. We will update you more on this as we draw closer to the event, which is being held at Buckingham Palace in London, England, later this summer. Joe is also among those writers listed in a public survey asking who is the greatest living British writer. This survey is being conducted by the book magazine, and you can find the link to vote for this award on our website. Voting for this award runs now through April 30th. Turning to film news now, in case you missed it, the Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire DVD is now available here in the U.S. We have multiple clips and review of the new DVD posted on our website. There are also many contests being held in conjunction with the release of this DVD, including one on our own site. For all the information on how to enter to win some special gift certificates to the Noble Collection and a copy of this DVD, you can find that all by clicking on our show notes. The Goblet of Fire will be released for fans in the U.K. in the next few weeks on March 20th. Another film-related news now. Congratulations go to actor Brendan Gleeson, who played Mad-Eye Moody in Goblet of Fire. Brendan started another film called Six Shooter, which won the Academy Award over the weekend for the best live-action short film. Congratulations go as well to actor Ray Fiennes, who plays Lord Voldemort, of course. Rafe did the voice work on Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Weir Rabbit. And that film won the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature Film. Congratulations! Unfortunately, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, which was nominated in the category of Art Direction, lost out on that award, which went to Memoirs of a Geisha. Finally, there is a bit of news now regarding filming for Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Actress Emma Watson, who plays Hermione Granger in the movies, is sending out a newsletter to fans who write her, where she speaks briefly about working with new film director David Yates. And she also talks about how she's looking forward to this. And as Hermione, she said that she is, quote, doing lots of running around, some stunts here and there, and lots of being thrown around. Sounds exciting. Filming, of course, is now underway for the fifth Harry Potter film, which is due to be released sometime next year. Well, for all the latest in Harry Potter news, you can find it all at leakynews.com, which is updated daily. And now, on with the show. Welcome to Pottercast number 29. Yay! Oh, <laughs> wow. 
that that was Sue? No. <laughs> Sue's talking down here now. Yes. <laughs> I'm Melissa. And I'm Hola Melissa. Hi. Hola. Juan. Hola Juan. <laughs> That's John. Hey everybody. Wait, and, I, I want to hear who else is here, because I interrupted well, her. Well, you're not letting her talk. And my name is Sue, with my voice at this level. Not down here. Oh, good. What was that resolution about no personal jokes? In the- oh, yeah. Well, it was an introduction. Out the window. Gone. <laughs> Introductiones. Introduction. Okay. Anyway, welcome to podcast number 29. You made it. You found us. Congratulations. Yay. You found us. It's hard, I know. This is where we tell you your Harry Potter news, your discuss some stuff with you, Yay. I don't know. All we, kinds we, of stuff. All kinds of Potter stuff. So, Can you believe we've done this 29 times already? No, actually, because we haven't. This will be our 29th time. Oh. Well, we're doing it now, ladies. So right, is... so we've done it 28 times, and we're doing it the 29th time. I always have to try to correct me about stuff. Yeah. All right, so the news, Sue, what's, what's well, new? Well, JK gave a small update on her website. About Ooh. book seven, just very briefly in her diary, her blog, her her thing. <laughs> her blog. I know, Joe's blog. She posts in that blog about as often as I post in my blog. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so cute because she's 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 acting like a like a real blogger who just like posts about their frustrations and yeah. you know, she's like, This always happens. I make a plan and it's not working, God, you know. Yeah. And she's like anybody else. It's it's Except a lot richer, but it's awesome. Yeah, a lot richer. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in what she had to say about, you know, the chapters that Harry can't do it all in one chapter, that two is now turned into four. So this is good news for. Is anybody else just like wishing like she would have something like she'd do her blog like a MySpace or something where we can see like what she's listening to now? That'd be cool. What like her mood is, what smiley face she's feeling. That would be mood. cool. What, what, what she cooked for dinner. Do you think she cooks dinner for, for, for the kids? Yeah, macaroni and cheese. I bet that's what she's good at. That. I don't know. I mean, when you have that kind of money, it'd be so easy mm. to have a live in chef. I would buy that she cooks dinner. I would buy that they cook dinner together. I mean, I'm sure she can. I'm not saying she couldn't, no, no, obviously. No. But I mean, I mean, I think I think she's as I busy think as she is. Often you think she does. That's something she makes time for. Yeah, I yeah. think that she she strikes me as a type of down to earth person, regardless of how much wealth that she's going to take time. I mean, she says it all the time on her website that she's you know the kids have colds or she's off been delayed. Oh, absolutely. So I think that she's a good mom, and I think she cooks for. I bet she does. Probably, maybe not. Well, I don't anything. think. I mean, I'm sure most. Um, a lot of people out there listening will be like, well, my mom doesn't cook. She's still a good mom. But, no, no, I'm not I saying that. I mean, it's just one of the responsibilities that could be, um, um, what's the word? Oh, delegated. Delegated. Yeah. I mean, I'm a mom, and I don't always cook every night. We, we go out. We have takeout, or we go out or something, but she just doesn't strike me as having Yeah, I just don't think she is either. Yeah, I don't know. I know it took a long time for her to admit she needed a secretary. Yeah. She didn't, apparently she, you know, was like, no, no, I'll be fine. All this mail, I'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah what, Joe. What What nationality is she? She was born in England. England? I'm, I'm trying to figure out what, like, her dish is. would be. Her, her, Joe's best what? I don't think it's going to be like a... Like a spaghetti. What do you mean, like fish and chips? Sauce. Joe's fish and chips? <laughs> trying to think what her... What is her signature dish? I really want to know these kind of things. These are the things she'd be posting about. The DVD is out yes. soon. Yes. If yes. You're Depending on when this podcast comes out. I'm so excited. DVD. I cannot. 
you know, we have seen so many clips, but I'm I'm just like that just makes me more psyched to go see it. It's crazy. I don't I know who not they hired. A single clip. What? Neither have I actually. I don't want to spoil the movie for me. Oh, but <laughs> or the extra oh, stuff. Oh, they're the brilliant. That you I've That's seen them. I've watched them like three or four times, and I still can't wait to. I will not be spoiled because they're great. I, I'll watch it over and over. But I'm a bit of a fanatic. So. <laughs> and I, I I don't want to spoil the special feature interviews on the DVD, so I'm not listening to the WB podcast. Oh. <laughs> WB. We should, we should we oh. call them dudes up. At least this week, though. Snaps. <laughs> Come on, you clowns. You want a podcast? Here's our numbers. <laughs> Come on. But I know you listen. I, I to was this. expecting so much more. Oh, uh, too, but at least this week, you know, know. At least they put a little introduction this time. You know, I thought, "Ooh, we're break- making it." Did they? I, I didn't. I didn't get to the second oh, episode. Oh no, I just thought they didn't. Oh man, but I'm not even subscribed. You know that I. I was so excited for it because I, because I figure it would just make more people interested in the world of podcasting. Sure. But if people get interested in this, then they're going to be, be you know, sourly surprised when they find other podcasts because there's nothing like that. You yeah. Know? So, you know, it would be awesome and it would take the, the smallest amount of effort. I mean, it's all about just having some original material up there. I mean, they could take a little tape recorder to the set, just mm-hmm. hit record and put it on a chair. Just record <laughs> for an hour of the goings of on while you're shooting something. Well, the problem... You put that online, people would eat that up. Yeah, the problem there is because then you'll hear things that are never supposed to be aired. <laughs> All of Dan's you know. curse words that he's... Well, no. But in between that, takes. that stuff has to be cleared through freaking, you know, 800 lawyers and stuff. So you can just imagine how hard it is to get all the, to get what even, what's even there through a corporate structure. Yeah, but there's a lot yeah. of really cool things. So this time, i got to say, there's some really cool clips, really... I thought we're seeing a lot more behind-the-scenes stuff than they've seen in the past. For those that aren't Good, being spoiled, I won't spoil it for you, but there's a really cool thing with the cast, and you're gonna like Ooh. it. it. Takes it through their day. I can't wait to hear. I can't wait to hear the uh, uh, commentary tracks. I was just gonna. <laughs> what really took the words out of my commentary? Mouth. All those commentary oh. tracks—they're they're strangely absent. Strangely absent. So we figured. In their absence. Actually, you may have already heard it. You may have already heard mm-hmm. this. Yep. You may be about to hear it. Do, 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 do. And what is that we're going to be hearing? Go ahead, John. But your, do the your, your favorite podcast host decided, yeah, we like the movies too, so maybe you want to hear what we have to say about them as we watch them. Yay! So the Only because Warner Brothers want to. Commentary. Is but we're, a reality. But we're, we're, yeah, right. We're recording it very soon, and it'll be out. Right when you have your Goblet of Fire mm-hmm. movie, all, yep. almost, and well, we, we have to that... watch. We have to have time to watch right. the movie. Though. Well, right, right, right. That's so what as I mean. soon as It'll we buy out... our copies and watch it. Well, once you have your DVD and you're kind of settled and yeah. you've watched all the stuff that there is to watch, right. about then there'll be the commentary coming out. And the reason we, well, Warner Brothers won't do it, so we figure, all right, well, if you guys want a commentary of some sort, well, you know, we don't have anything new yeah. that we can <laughs> tell you yeah, about. Commentary. It, but sure, why not? It'll be funny. It's, it's sort be of like Mystery Science Theater 2000. Three hours but, of fart jokes. Uh, no. Um, no, not quite. <laughs> um, but no. we figure it's a good, it's a, it's a whole new thing that we can do where we can get guests in it sometimes and, you know, people who are book experts, people who are movie experts, where we can do multiple over, yeah. you know, Every now More and then, than one for each movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll have and it's going to be tough for all of you, maybe people who prefer to burn the CDs, because these are long movies. So yeah, that's this is special perks, I suppose, for 
Well, burn it as a data or CD. Computer peoples. Or you can burn it as a data CD. You just won't be able to listen to it in the car. Well, really, if you're listening in the car, um, you're not watching. You shouldn't be watching a movie and listening in the car at the same time. So unless you're in the back seat. <laughs> In the chi- in in the child yeah. seat. In the, yeah. You know, it is true because I have one of those DVD players, you know, in the car, and it, it is kind of distracting. Because I'll find myself, you know, like listening along when we're playing, you know, Andy's playing yeah. the Top of the Fire dangerous. or something. Dangerous. I know. Well. Scary. Don't stuff. operate heavy machinery while listening to podcasts. <laughs> no. Know. Or lifting That's weights. That's true. Or lifting weights. That 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 warning has was issued long ago. Yeah. So what other kind of news? So yeah, so look look out for that oh. soonish. We just had so much. Uh, you know, we've had reviews. We have some great scans from magazines about the the DVD. So if you're still, you know, hesitant, we have all that kind of stuff on our website. It's phenomenal. They've all really given it. Yeah, Entertainment Weekly gave it a B plus grade. So I'm excited about it. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And it's been nominated for a bunch of awards. The movie itself. Yes, it has. Empire Award. No, Empire right? Awards. Yeah. Two more awards. It's great. Yeah, it's really good. Congratulations how, um, for the Oscar nomination. Yes. The movie had, had received, unfortunately. They were unable to pull those off this year. I'm, I'm thinking maybe by the seventh seventh movie they're going to be a best picture contender. I think so. I think because the seventh, the grandeur of the seventh movie is exactly. going to be so intense. Just for the, the overall series of seven movies, you have to yeah. give a nod to something like that. I think that's why Lord of the Rings won. I mean, it was a wonderful movie, but yeah. I don't know if it was the best that year. Uh, yeah. well, I, I don't know. I was really just, I think that they, you know, like, uh, Ian McKellen got it, too, for, his, you know, at the end, too. Because he should have won for the first first movie. I thought he was really good. Mm-hmm. That, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that's the thing, because, you know, I think Return of the King, I mean, you, you can argue that you want to give a nod to Peter Jackson. We're doing all three of them. But by the end of the, by the seventh movie... There, there for sure won't be a director that's been with it the whole time. Hopefully, there's going to be some of the same producers. Yeah. But the only people who have who are there from the beginning to end will probably be those actors. Yeah. So they yeah. should be the people who get some Speaking kind of Speaking of directors, oh, I'm I sorry, would go think ahead. by the Academy. I think a, a Best Picture nod would would. Oh no, but I, I think a Best Picture nod would 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 do well to recognize. Yeah. The franchise as a whole, you know, yeah. I have a I have a gut feeling that we're going to see Chris Columbus again. That's my gut. Well, we won't be seeing Mr. Alfonso Cuan. I thought he said that he would do it. Used to, but he all oh, Cuan. But what he what he said now was that as of right now, no. Which maybe is a little bit of saying that negotiations or talks have started for number six, and he's not a part of it. That's my yeah. take on that. Because it seems about now that the, that the very, very early thinking about who might be good to direct that movie might come up, you know? Yeah. Well, I still think Terry Gilliam would be just a great, yeah. you know, choice, but I don't know if they'll get him in there. Yeah. I heard Quentin Tarantino was interested. Oh, God. No. <laughs> can you imagine those scenes? That'd be crazy. Here's that Melissa Correct yeah. down again. No. Be, I can just see everybody running around with swords and, 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 and their oh wands at the goodness. same time. <laughs> you know, there's, there's not enough. Yeah, so you'll not be hired to do all the hi-yats. Oh, no. There's nothing. Nothing happens in the sixth book. No. Uh-huh. Well, I'm interested to hear how Mr. Yates is doing. Um, Emma seems very excited. She put out, Emma Watson has put out a newsletter that. Mentions Phoenix. I've heard some. Yeah, yeah she's, she mentions it. I've heard some good things about David Yates as well. Cool. That he involves the actors a lot 
um, a lot more than any other director so far. That he asks them what they think and lets them do their own thing, like lets them show the the personalities that they've um, created between characters over these years. That's smart. You know, just lets sort of lets it roll, lets all those personalities show. That's that's the gossip I'm I'm that's getting. Smart. I can't wait. I just can't wait to see Mr. Fines, and I hope Mr. Gambon is up for that confrontation. Mm. I'm, that's the scene I'm just really looking forward to. I just, you know, yeah, God, Voldemort, Dumbledore. Voldemort, battle. Dumbledore, yeah. I've said it a hundred times. I'll say it a hundred more. That better kick so much stuff, yeah. or I'll stop the movie right there. That'll be Do you the think end. that they will show the brains? You know, when they yeah. go through. <laughs> <laughs> they got to. That's such a great image. It's so disgusting. His it brains looking like jellyfish yeah. flying out of a no. tank, wrapping themselves around Ron. Blech. Joe. God, she knows how to get these images. She does. Oof. She really does. That's cool. Um, what other news we got? Hey, if if you're a Mac or Windows person, which means if you have a computer, and you clearly mm-hmm. do, and you would like a new widget oh, yes. for your computer... We have a new one called the Harry Potter Quote Conjurer, yes. which has gained worldwide acclaim, sort of. It was a a featured uh, widget on Apple for the for the first three days of its release, and it really it reached, as far as we knew, number five on top downloaded widgets That's of crazy. On Apple. It's also available at widgets.yahoo.com or widgetgallery.com, so you can get it for Windows. And what basically happens is a, a, you get this little placard that shows you a quote, from the Harry Potter books and a picture of the character that it's associated with, illustrated by the wonderful Miss Heather Campbell, who was yeah, Big Mac, yeah, who was one. Of, I paused for you to do that. Who is one of our leaky uh, designers? And it's so. And the reason I love it is that it just reminds you what it's like to be a fan every time you look at it, because it randomizes from a database of a thousands. Yeah, of big jewels. I think we have like sixteen hundred now. Yeah. And Julie pulled those. Chris pulled those. Just, somebody named Angelina, who I don't. I've never met, but she pulled she pulled those quotes, um, and it's just so cool because you get a little a little dip into the books every time. Yeah, you it is, and I forgot I've forgotten some of the great quotes. Yeah. So the other day, I mean, I just sat there for like ten minutes, just like clicking, Asio quoting. I mean, that's know? great just... for people like me who have only ever read the cliff notes of the books to really get an appreciation <laughs> yeah. of the material. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're just brilliant. Well, like I, I'm clicking right now, and I have Fred and George. Yeah. Actually, no, now I have Harry, and it has um, from when he was being being looked at in, in the first book. So it's so great to look at this quote from the first mm-hmm. book. R- reminds you when you first read it, whispers followed Harry from the moment he left his dormitory the next day. People lining up outside classrooms stood on tiptoe to get a look at him or doubled back to pass him in corridors again, staring. Harry wished they wouldn't because he was concentrating on finding his way to classes. Aww. Just such a nice reminder. Yes. Of, I want to read that book again. Yeah. See? It makes you it feel does. like that. It does. It really does. Brilliant. You can find that on our widgets page. Awesome. Well, what else we got coming up for oh, this we week? Contests, I have got no right? idea. We have contests going on. We have a new contest where you can you can enter to get um, goodies from the no- the the Noble Collection. Ooh. You get a three hundred dollar gift certificate to the Noble Collection, wow. which is pretty big. That's let a me lot tell of bones. you. Can you buy um, a life size Dobby for that? No, you can. <laughs> that's oh, half a life size. Oh man! Can you pick what half you get? <laughs> Yeah, everybody's gonna go for those feet, aren't they? Yeah, uh-huh. that's actually from the shopper image, so you can't get you can't, you can't get buy it. it in pieces. 
no. You can't use that gift certificate for it. It's for Noble Collection items. Noble Collection is the official maker of all the collectibles. Oh, they make some of the cool stuff. Yeah, they do. They really do. Like the chess set I love, oh. and they make some great I statues want the, and oh. stuff I want stuff the like Gryffindor that. sword. Oh, or I want the, the Mirror of Erised. Yeah. Or the Fox. The Fox is unreal. Yeah. But that's probably really expensive, isn't it? Oh, it is. Well, I love the, the model. I'm I'm so crazy about the models that the filmmakers make for the films, but they have a one of Hogwarts that I'm just mm. – that's like four or 500 bucks. That There's stuff looks like away. it belongs in a museum, some of that oh, stuff. gorgeous. I don't even understand yeah. it. And you can check out all that stuff at the Cauldron Shop. Oh, yes. Yeah. For sure. Click on Collectibles. Mm-hmm. Excelente. And that's it. So anyway, we've got a great show coming up. we got an interview with Kelly Ooh. Thompson, who you'll see on the Harry Potter DVD. It's our whole DVD theme show. You'll see her on the Harry Potter DVD um, as one of the fans who interviewed the trio. She actually found out about it online on one of the fan sites, and she went to got flown over to, to England to interview them. She wore the T-shirt that was designed by Leaky fans, which is the I Solemnly Swear I oh, Love brilliant. to Good Very shirt. Very cool. Um, and that's how we recognized that she was a Leaky mm-hmm. reader yeah. on, the, on the clip that came out. So we, we posted and said, hey, Kelly, if you're around, email us. And she did. And so we interviewed her about her experience. Excellent. So you'll hear Good that. Kelly. Good old Kelly. And we also have another bit of interview from Stuart Craig. Stuart Craig. He's, he's wonderful. Stuart. Congratulations <laughs> on his BAFTA win. He's, he's awesome. John. John, why are you clapping? <laughs> That's just a flashback to the first episode of podcast. <laughs> oh, We've had boy. this on file forever. 29 weeks ago. <laughs> Stuart Craig. I have no idea why that's funny. But the voiceover <laughs> for Stuart Craig. I know, but I just don't know why it's so <laughs> funny right was now. So lame. <laughs> that's my voice. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, they're all gonna want to download that show now. That's funny. Why? What's up in the market? Anyway. Anybody heard it yet? I haven't heard it yet. Has anybody? I don't know. It'll be a surprise. Sorry. Who's in it this week? Is it great surprise? Well, obviously. Uh, Lori, Lori, and Mr. Guru. I don't know who else. <laughs> don't know. I think it's Doris, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Lady I D. I don't know, but it's going to be a great surprise. I can't surprise. even hardly contain think. my excitement. You guys I, will have you know? to help let us know how it is. Anyway, we'll be back for the mail soon. Yes, mail time is a good time. In the Fan Corner, a one-on-one interview with a new lucky fan each week. Not me, not Hermione, you. I'm Melissa. I'm here with Kelly Thompson. We're about to do our fan interview. Kelly Thompson is someone who you all will be very familiar with shortly if you buy the Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire DVD. There's a portion on the DVD where fans ask the trio, the main, the main actors and actresses, questions, and Kelly caught our eye as being part of these fans because she was wearing a t-shirt that Leaky Cauldron fans will know from having been from having been created by Leaky Cauldron fans and sold by Warner Brothers. So we got in touch with her and she was kind enough to say yes to an interview. So hey, Kelly. Hello. How are you doing? Doing good, doing good. So how did this all happen? How did you end up part of a select group of fans in front of Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, and Rupert Grint, and on the Harry Potter DVD? Um, well, they had the Time Turner sweepstakes back in, like, 2004. Mm-hmm. That was presented by Warner Brothers. 
and I entered that um, just online. Um, I think I entered it more than once, but I can't remember. And I got an email like in February, so about a year ago, said, hey, you're a winner. And I was like, okay. I didn't really believe it. Mm-hmm. And it said, you're the unverified grand prize winner, so respond back and we'll send you all this information. And I was like, okay, sure you will. <laughs> so all I needed was my name and my age and like my birth date or something. I was like, well, that's not really super secret. So I went ahead and sent it over thinking, yeah, okay, I'm going to get some spam or something. So I waited and I waited and like the next day they said, okay, great. We're going to send you an airborne package with your affidavit and you got to sign this stuff and you know, then we'll be ready to go. And I was like, whoa, okay, this isn't really what a spam person would probably respond with. So I tried to verify independently all the time waiting for this package to come. And when it finally came, I was like, wow, I'm actually the winner. So I had to sign with paperwork and do all this stuff. And it turned out that I was able to go with one guest to England for a week um, and be able to interview the three kids. And it was supposed to be J.K. Rowling as well. Mm-hmm. We didn't go till October, so we went, my husband and I went for the week, and we were able to go and spend, like, the whole afternoon with them, and it was really awesome. Cool. So now and then said- they filmed it, they filmed it, and they're putting parts of it on the DVD. So you said it was supposed to be J.K. Rowling, but this, I'm assuming, is the time in which her, her husband was sick and everything was recorded yeah, on the DVD. Yeah, exactly, the exact same time. So we didn't know, actually, until the day of the interview that, he, that she was not coming. Ah, bummer. So it was supposed to be the four of them. So it ended up just being the three of them. Mm-hmm. So you spent the whole day there? It wasn't just this portion that we spent? It was like a, it was about the whole, it was about the whole afternoon. We got there at like noon or one o'clock or whatever, and they filmed, there was um, four other winners, mm-hmm. and they filmed all of us, you know, kind of by ourselves with a little story about, you know, how did you get here and what kind of Harry Potter fan are you and blah, blah, blah. And then we sat down with the, with the three kids for, I don't know, a couple hours maybe. I don't really know. The time kind of just whizzed by. Mm -hmm. And they filmed stuff, and we were able to each ask a question. And then at the end, our family members were able to come in and kind of just chat with everybody. That was kind of nice. And then they took a picture, and that was pretty much it. So it was kind of magical, the whole thing. It was very exciting. It wasn't really the set. We weren't on set. Mm -hmm. It was at a a location in London, and the place was set up to look like Hogwarts um, the mm. Gryffindor common room. Yeah. And they had filmed, they had already filmed other interviews with the trio, like just mm-hmm. the trio. Mm-hmm. And they had already filmed all that. And so this was just like part of, like a portion of that. So tell us your impressions of of these th- three actors. I guess start with Dan. They, you know what? I have to say I was so impressed because honestly, when I won the trip, to me, the trip was meeting J.K. Rowling. That was my kind of dream. And meeting the three kids was always a bonus. It was always, oh, okay, I get to meet the three kids too. That's really cool. But I always kind of had my heart set on meeting J.K. Rowling. So when I found out she wasn't coming, I was extremely devastated. Mm -hmm. And understandably, it was, you know, all understandably, but I was really upset. And I kind of, I I don't think I went into it with the right, you know, I kind of went into it with, oh, she's not going to be there. Mm -hmm. But as soon as they, as soon as the kids came in, it was like, they were so down to earth. They were so friendly, and Dan was very chatty and wanted to know all about us, and just like he'd you know known us forever. It was very very cool, and they put us right at ease. It was really nice. So, what was your question? Uh, my question was, it's, it's um, if they had read books five and six, 
what were they looking forward to filming, like in terms in part mm-hmm. of their character, like what their character got to do. Right. So I was able to ask that one. And then I think there was another question, but I don't know if it made it on there or not. So we were all able to ask one question. So so you all asked one question, but you said that this, this went on for hours. So what did you do with the rest of the time? Well, they talked to – well, we all kind of chatted. Um, like they chat – a lot of the part that they that we talked wasn't filmed. Like when Dan and Emma and Rupert got there, we all kind of chatted for I don't know how long before they filmed anything. And it was just kind of a, hey, they didn't really know how we had gotten there, how we had won a contest, how we had been in England the whole week, and that we were, um, you know, there for free and all this stuff. They were very interested in that and, like, how we got there and stuff. And that we had come from so far. One of the winners was from California. One was from Japan. I mean, they were kind of interested in, you know, how we were doing stuff. Now, you're from Michigan. Right. right. So what, tell us what you do, what your life is like usually when you're not traipsing off to London. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm married and I have two kids. Um, we're all huge Harry Potter fans, of course. Um, I work for a mortgage company here in Michigan. I've lived in Michigan most of my life. So just kind of the, you know, normal, hardworking, you know, just kind of plugging along. Right. Now, were your kids there? No, they weren't. Mm-hmm. And when I first was notified that I had won, the contest said it was for the winner and three guests, which I thought would be me and my kids and my husband. But it turned out that since I was the winner for the 18 and over group, that it was only me and one guest. Um, So it ended up just being me and my husband. Okay. Well, what did your kids say when they found out you were going to meet Harry Potter? Oh, they were like, you know, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. (laughs) And, of course, they're 10 and 9. Mm Mm-hmm. So they're, they've read they've read all the books up to six. They haven't read six yet, so they're still working on that. Mm-hmm. But they were just totally excited, and I was able to I got a, an autographed poster of the Goblet of Fire movie, mm-hmm. and I brought that home, and they actually mailed me the photo of of me with the kids and stuff. My kids were you know ecstatic. Aww. This is funny. So you were wearing this is how the Leaky Cauldron realized that we had one of our own among this select <laughs> four. A clip came online of this interview, and it happened to be the clip of your question being asked, and I noticed a very familiar white scrawl (laughs) on the t-shirt, and I immediately jumped out of my seat. I'm surprised that you could see that. I'm surprised you could see that. All I saw was one piece of one letter, and I knew. Um, (laughs) If if you're a a fan or a longtime fan or a regular on the Leaky Cauldron, you know that there is a shirt that says, I solemnly swear I am up to no good that the Leaky Cauldron readers are responsible for designing and then Warner Brothers uh, produced based on their design, and you wore it to right. the, the thing. Now, I, first of all, yay. <laughs> <laughs> I was flattered of by Of course, that. yay. That's, I, you know, I, I definitely put some thought into what I was going to wear. I didn't have a clue what it was going to be like and what everyone else was going to be wearing, right. but I knew I had to wear something cool. And Emma, Emma even said, Emma even said she looked at my shirt. She's like, "Wow, that's a cute shirt." <laughs> awesome. So that was kind of funny. So we talked about we talked about what Dan was like and everything. What about Emma and Rupert? Are they as you expected them to be? They do? were. They were all. They were really sweet. Rupert was really shy. He was just really quiet. I don't know if he was just kind of, I don't know, tired or shy or whatever. But he didn't really talk a lot. Yeah. Dan was real kind of instrumental in making sure that everybody got to say lots of stuff. He always kind of wanted to make sure that, you know, Ryan got to answer stuff and Emma got to answer stuff. And, you know, he was he was just very, he's almost like the MC of the thing, you know, he's very cool. <laughs> yeah. But not in an overbearing way. He was just, yeah. he was really cool. Um, but Emma and Rupert were all really nice. And, like, afterwards when our families got to come in to talk to them, they were very chatty and talked about different stuff. And 
I mean, it's just kind of like we'd known them forever. It was very surreal because I was like, wow, I'm here with these stars that are, you know, probably some of the most famous people in the world right now. And mm-hmm. they're just like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> hey, how you doing? Yeah, yeah exactly. So it's kind of fun. Yeah. And what was it like for you walking into something that even though it wasn't the actual set, that I'm sure it looked almost exactly. Oh, it was it was it was unreal. It looked exactly like it. I thought I was walking onto the set. I mean, it was just one room, really. But when you see the interview, it's not going to look like that. It's going to look like we were right on the Gryffindor common room. Yeah. And it was. I mean, every detail was there, and it was so. It was. It was just way cool. Yeah. As a Harry Potter fan, I, from going to the set, you just. That's the moment I find with the Gryffindor common room. Where you yeah. just can't believe you've walked into it. Well, and when we were outside the room, we didn't know what the room was going to be like. And our family members that had come with us, they were in a different room. They were watching the interview on closed circuit TV. And when we were right outside, I didn't even know where we were going or what you know what it was going to look like. We walked in. It's all these cameras, and it's the Gryffindor common room. And you're just like, wow, this is so like Hollywood. You know, this is so real. Now that it's all said and done and you've and you've been there, have does it change anything for you about the films? Um not really. I mean a little bit just because when I see it is kind of funny because when I saw the movie Dan's hair was long and when we interviewed him it was short and it was kind of like, "Oh yeah, I saw I talked to that guy." You know, like I know him kind of thing. But it didn't really change too much to me. They're still Harry, Ron and Hermione and they always will be. So kind of cool that way do you feel like you asked the questions that you wanted to ask um yes and no I did I really wanted to I really I had you know 12,000 questions to ask JK Rowling Mm -hmm. and I had to submit them before we got there so they had to like be approved or whatever and then I really only had that one question for the kids I hadn't really thought of any other ones Um, and I tell you the truth I can't even remember what the other people asked so that doesn't tell you anything exciting (laughs) But they did, they did say at the end, they were kind of like, we have time for some more questions. Do you have any? And I really, we were all kind of starstruck. We were all like, oh, we get to ask them the question? Oh, cool. But what question do we ask? Right. So I think I was able to ask them how they go about getting their books. Like when the books come out, do they, you know, go out and get them or do they get a pre-copy or whatever? And they're like, no, we, you know, we get them when everybody else gets them. Right. And, you know, they read them. Dan and Emma were real excited about books five and six. I don't think that Ron had read six yet, so but they were all kind of excited about what was coming and, you know, how the story was evolving and all that stuff. So that was kind of neat. So now you're on the DVD forever. How does that feel? I know. That's the really, really weird. That freaks me out. That's I haven't gotten over that part yet. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's very weird, and, it's, and I haven't seen anything except that clip on Amazon, which I stumbled upon and was like, whoa, what's that? And, and I kind of, even on the way home, I thought, you know what, I bet they're going to film all that and not even use any of it. They're probably just going to, you know, only show the, the answers and not show us. I, I was all cynical about it. I just That's my nature. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw that on Amazon, I was like, oh, my God, I'm really going to be on this DVD. I'm like, this is weird. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for oh, you're welcome. taking out the time. Is there anything else about the experience that we haven't talked about that you... Um. I don't think so. It's just, you know, how surreal it is and how, how crazy it is and how I'm so glad that I had such a cool shirt to wear because ah. I was the only one that had a Harry Potter shirt. I was like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's crazy. I say enter every contest 12 times because you never know. <laughs>
And now, straight from the Leaky Lounge, this week's Modcast. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Modcast. This is Jason Edwards, known on the forums as the Guru of Sloth. Hey everybody, it's Kim. I'm Laurie Damarell on the forum known as Asphodel Wormwood. Today we're going to be talking about Harry and the DA, Dumbledore's army. Um, what it means to him, what they mean to him, what his leadership skills represented in uh, construct- conducting the DA. Um, ideas, guys? Thoughts, even? Is Harry a good leader? Did he conduct them well? Right. <laughs> he's a... Uh, the interesting thing about Harry is that he's... He has this leadership ability, but he's not hes not really interested in, in uh, stepping up necessarily or, or seizing the moment all the time. I mean, he really had to be pushed into this by Hermione, right? Yeah, it's, it's ironic that she's the bossy one. She bosses right. him into it, which is normally a leadership. Well, I have this well, leadership thing that I get through being like Hermione. I'm incredibly bossy, and it's like, do this, do that, do this. <laughs> But well, the thing I love is that is exactly that. He ne- he doesn't step up, but a lot of it is because he's so so afraid of hurting anybody or having anybody hurt near him that he just yeah. would rather do it alone. I think, yeah, there's a lot of, of it being it. a loner in a way, even though he always does have his friends around him. Yeah. He kind of, I don't know, he, he kind of, I think he, he often feels like when it comes down to it, like he's got to take care of things or he's got to take care of himself. And I think at I that know. point, it's more not that he fears hurting people because the DA was before Sirius died, and that's when he really started blaming himself. Yeah. It's more that he's not confident in his own capabilities. He's like, it's just luck. It's just luck. What would you exactly. know? You're going to use your base, you know, whatever comes to your head if you're in danger of being murdered. You know, it's not like I thought all this through. And that's what he says. He says it's not. I'm not talented. <clears throat> I'm just. Well, he is right. just lucky. He hasn't done this. He is lucky, talents. but he's also. He's surprisingly calm, and you know he makes good decisions in the most difficult of times. And I don't think he ever realizes how, you know, how, how special that is, maybe, or how, you know, obviously maybe other people could have done the same, but he was the one who did it. So people look up to him, and that's kind of one of the things that he has to grasp and also come to terms with. I mean, Ooh, yeah, he's really got to come to terms with. It. He, he doesn't to... necessarily like it that, especially in book five. I mean, book five is the book where people, a lot of people, say Harry is. You know, and caps lock Harry. <laughs> yeah, you know he's little adolescent going through all these different things, and not always the most fun person to be around. So, you know, he's he's changing a lot in that book. Well, and he's becoming by book six. He's at least accepting the chosen one mantle. He's not, right. you know, he, it's a joke, and it is a joke. But he, um, he is accepting that people will call him this, people will say this about him, and so he just has to move on, deal with it. Live, well, he you know, do what prophecy. he needs to do. Yeah, that helps too. Yeah. What intrigues me about um, the DA and Harry as a leader is people always, because like there are similarities between Harry and the Dark Lord. And the thing with the Dark Lord, he is leader of, he wants to be leader of everyone. He's right. the leader of the Death Eaters. So maybe it's like Harry's got a subconscious fear of not wanting to be like that. So he's like, I don't want to lead people because what if I corrupt them? What if I use them for my own ends? You know, like. What if I enjoy the power? Mm. Yeah. What if I end up like him? And maybe That's possible. And the fact that he isn't like the Dark Lord, that he doesn't want to be empowering, charge and bossing everyone around, shows that he's not like him. And it's sort of, you know, a very subtle sign that he is a different man. Yeah. And I think Jenny's done that quite quite effectively. The key is whether or not Harry has caught that yet though. Because in his mind I think he's still seeing what what you know, what you're seeing there, Laurie, that idea that 
if I do this, if I fall down this, am I going to go down the same road that he went down? Hmm. You know, haven't you? I think that might be there. I don't see it as overtly necessarily. I mean, I don't know. I think it's just a confidence thing in a lot of ways. You know, it's not that Harry doesn't have confidence in himself in certain respects, but I don't think he just, I don't think he thinks of himself as, as a leader or that he needs to be, or at least he didn't, you know, at that time. I don't think he does now. He is the king. He does now. Yeah. And what um, about the fact that during during that book, when you know we see the DA forming, even though it wasn't his idea, he was willing to go along with it and ended up doing a really good job with it. Yeah, and well, the once it that, once it was formed, he fell into just loving. Sure. You know, he yeah. was sitting there well, thinking of things. Well, he trusted his judgment. You know, they said it was yeah. a good idea. He trusts them that it's a good mm-hmm. idea, so he goes along with it. Yeah, eventually. Um, yeah, and I think but for most I of think Hermione book, did well in like conceiving the idea, like making him go along with it, um, right. because she saw that it would benefit everybody, but it would benefit Harry as well, because he needed to be given confidence, especially in that book, because he was being so, well, you know, trodden on by. And I don't see He also is. needed the practice, and he needed the. He needs to be able to lead, and I think Hermione sees that that he yeah. needs that leadership. But do you guys ever see him being? I mean, I don't ever see Harry being the kind of leader who will make all these decisions and plans the way Hermione does. I mean, he's going to no, need people like that's that. That's what he needs her for. Yeah. I mean, he's a leader more in, like, this kind of really emotional sense and the fact that he has things that he can impart to people that really well, none he, of the other kids He's had. the leader in the sense that people will follow him. And right. they will follow him, whether they think he's doing the right thing or not, they'll follow him, you know, to the end. For the right. sort of and, person he is, because he's yeah, benevolent. Yeah. He's got a charming yeah. personality, not in a manipulatively charming. He's not deliberately charming or anything like that. He's just a yeah. nice guy. He's not. He right. and he's, he's people And people pick up on that and they'll follow that. I mean, the, the same works in the real world. The best leaders are the ones who aren't trying to lead. They're the mm-hmm. ones who just sincerely that's their personality is such that people will follow the things that they say. They to them. Help them, yeah. Right. yeah. So he needs the guidance from his friends saying, look, you've got this potential you know, to try and make people, you know, do something productive, um, you know, in several ways, you know, to defend themselves, to do well academically, um, to stand up against umbrage, even if it's in a, um, not in an open way. Yeah. You know. Well, that's the thing. It's the circumstances of that book are a lot of what also made this possible and probably convinced him that he had to step up to this. Not only is, you know, like, the, few people know that, that Voldemort has returned, um, and then there's all this stuff going on with the ministry and with Umbridge, plus his rock, well, one of his rocks, I don't know if we'd call it the rock, but probably Dumbledore was pretty much absent from him the entire book. Um, and Harry doesn't really understand why. And, you know, so maybe that the, the fact that the guy who he always thought could do everything, um, you know, maybe a prelude to later times was pretty much absent and, you know, every once in a while, I might turn up and, and make something happen, like, you know, helping Trelawney keep staying at Hogwarts or something. But, you yeah. know, for the most part, he was gone. And so somebody needed to kind of fill that void at the school. Yeah. And Harry sensed that. But it's interesting you talk of Dumbledore because he's the same sort of leader as Harry. Yeah. He's not one that wants to boss people around. Not, I mean, he's le- oh, head of the order um, because he's talented. He's capable, like Harry. And because he's such a wonderful guy and respected, yes. Yeah, so people were drawn wow. to him. Wow, Laurie just said Dumbledore's wonderful. Mm. It's true. I can uh, concede knows. that a man has talent. Not as much talent <laughs> as some wizards. I actually think Dumbledore is sort of a bit, like when he was younger, maybe just like a bit of 
the, all three of the trio, like like Harry in some ways, you know, probably quite quiet, very determined to succeed and very intelligent like Hermione mm. and looks like Ron. <laughs> I mean, people have made that connection. It's been blown down. But, That's all right. Know, well, he looks like Ron. Physical appearance. <laughs> <laughs> right. maybe, maybe, it was fu- maybe it was funny. He likes I, sweets. I, don't I agree to some point fan. that I can see, I, I just I see <laughs> Dumbledore as that person that everybody wanted to be around, that friend. And truthfully, for most of the time we see Harry, we see that everybody wants to be around him, not because he's famous. Hmm. He start out that way, but not because he's famous, not because he's super cool, but because he's just a nice yeah, kid. And you see that through the DA, too. I mean, that's we're not sure if there were any Slytherins there or not, but there were members of all the other three They houses. mentioned he, all the people, right? He, he managed, I think we know. Yeah, who I don't think there were any Slytherins. Well, my book with me. But no. they, they, um, there were people that distrusted yeah. him. There were, and, and there, there are, snitch. and weren't trustable themselves. They're not the golden yes. snitch. Well, or and there sneak, were, sorry. I mean, but it was sneak. a way, yeah. it was a way of uniting to some degree the houses. And he was able to lead that. Yeah. He was able to lead people who normally wouldn't agree with one another or with him and I liked, into something cohesive. I liked how in the hogshead, you know, it, it was totally driven by Hermione at first, and he was kind of you know, almost unwillingly there, or, you know, yeah. he was there, but he didn't want to really... He was there with the, what the yeah. heck did you get me but into? once it got started, you know, and people <laughs> started questioning him, it was Harry who kind of, you know, calmly, but very assuredly, yeah. you know, just would say, like, one or two words, or, you know, a quick sentence that just kind of shut everyone up, like, oh. Well, and Harry figured out before Hermione did why there were so many people there. Right. Hermione literally thought they were there, they wanted to be there because it was important, and to yeah. study for their owls, and Harry's like... But two minutes into it, it goes, they want to hear me tell what happened. Right. Yeah, and which shows the difference good. between the two. Hermione's like, yeah. work-driven, work, 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 work. <laughs> Whereas Harry's kind of like, yeah, work's cool, you know, magic's cool, but I understand people. I understand what's going around me. That's where he's not solely focused on work. And I think that's that's what did him good. Yeah. Like, as a leader, Hermione would make an appalling leader. So on that note, as Harry is our natural-born leader, um, I think that kind of <laughs> wraps of up our podcast. <laughs> Some of us choose um, So if you want to discuss this, I'm sure there's several threads um, at leakylounge.com if you want to go check those out. Um, I'm Laurie Damarau saying goodbye. And this is Jason Edwards saying goodbye as well. Bye. And this is Kim. Adios, guys. Time to put on our extendable ears. Listen in on Potter Talk from the people making the magic. Welcome to the Extendable Ears for Pottercast 29, where we have a short but very timely clip for you with Stuart Craig, who is the production designer of the Harry Potter films, who just won a BAFTA award for his excellent work. If you'll remember, this is one of the first interviews we brought you on Pottercast, and here's another little bit that hasn't been aired. Now, this interview was conducted by a friend of ours who didn't want his voice used, so that's why you won't hear the interviewer speaking, and that's why I'll be leading you through to help you make sense of what's being said. It's sponsored by Retrovision, who is still, even though it's been delayed, they are still publishing a Harry Potter retrospective that will be available on their site, darkcommandos.com, soon. You can get that link in our show notes at, at pottercast.com. Now, as we go into this clip, we'll hear Stuart Craig talking about the creation of magical creatures in the Harry Potter films. Enjoy! There are specialist concept artists who, who in, you know, con- conceive of those creatures. Uh, these guys draw like Leonardo, and more and more they're, they're able now to then move to the next step which is using a 3d program to um to build their their creations the creatures in in the computer um 
before then passing it on to the visual effects department, who, of course, have always, that's their stock in trade, building it in 3D and rendering it and so on. Now, some of the things that we asked to have to have questioned in this interview with Stuart Craig are some things that really only fans who listen to these podcasts would be interested in, such as we, we know from the Leaky Cauldron's first set report that the the house points counter in the Great Hall really works. And we always wanted to ask Stuart Craig if that was true and how so. So here you go. Here's the answer. It is true. It does work. Um, well, there is a magical element <laughs> which requires a little visual effects help, but uh, the mechanical part of it works. Um, the cogs and chains, um, there, there are four hour, huge hourglasses, um, uh, one for each house, um, and there, there's, there are colored glass beads in each one. Um, the reservoir at the top is extremely small, and the reservoir at the bottom is, is, is much bigger. So this um, tiny little reservoir is able to um, record uh, an almost limitless number of house points. So the, the way they multiply is, is, is magic. But as I say, the moving parts um, are real. It does move like a clock mechanism, actually. That's, that's what it is. We also wanted to know approximately how many man-hours goes into creating one of these sets. We knew it would be an overwhelming question and that there probably wouldn't be a real answer for it, but here's what Stuart Craig had to say. What can I say? We In, in the immediate art department, I mean myself, art directors, draftsmen, um, the guys that do the blueprints and so on, there were, I think, 25 of us maybe, um, and they were employed for... I guess eight months of preparation and then, you know, at least six, seven months of shooting. So, uh, the construction team get the numbers get up close to 200, um, well over 200 on the first one when we had so much to do. The visual effects that then enhance our sets and create the creatures, there are hundreds of, of those men and women working in the facilities houses. It's, uh, you know, considering that the end result is a, a strip, a ribbon of celluloid, it's um, it's a very large number indeed. We also wanted to find out what Mr. Craig's favorite set was of any of the sets from the four films. Um, I like uh, I like bits of I like the upper reaches of Dumbledore Dumbledore's office. That kind of uh, amuses me and gives me a good feeling, really. There are places up there where the camera's never actually been, and uh, I kind of live in hopes that we will take it up there, maybe on uh, on Harry Potter Far. He has a telescope, um, a magical telescope, and there are, there's a system of balances and counterweights and pulleys and ropes above that, and balconies and little windows and tiny little... Uh, stone staircases which are built into the thickness of the wall um, and they're all there on the set at the at Leeson studio as I say wait, waiting to be explored and another and our final very fanish question was exactly how many sheets of silver material did they use to cover that that great hall and make it look so pretty for the Yule Ball enjoy I mean, literally every inch of it was covered. It's 140 feet long, and it is 40 feet wide. And uh, the roof is the biggest part of it, but just the walls are 30 feet high before the roof begins, um, the magical ceiling. So, as I say, 
of that big space, every inch of it was covered with silver fabric. Welcome to the mailbag, oh, everybody. We have some good voicemails to answer today. Yay. Kristen is still oh with gosh, pneumonia. I love so voicemails. This is a good time to do it. She'll be back when her voice gets back from being ill. Aww. Oh, Kristen. Yeah, it's sad. But she'll be okay. Good. She's on the mend. Good. Good, good. Oh, Kristen. All right, let's, let's get into it, guys. Okay. Mail, voicemail number one. Hi, this is Catherine from Michigan. And I was just wondering, why can't Harry just pull out a mandrake plant and kill Voldemort over and over until his souls run out. Okay? Bye. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> hmm. That you goes know, right that, hand in hand brilliant. with with John's shove Harry down the stairs. I think so. Idea. Well, yeah, but no, this actually is a magical means <laughs> of doing it. I mean, it, you can't grow immune to the mandrake, can you? No, but I didn't know that you could kill by planting. You know, kill by pottery. I don't think you can. I don't know. I don't think you can. I don't think a horcrux kills a soul. It kills a person. So if you kill the person and there's just souls left, like there's like that vapory Voldemort and some horcruxes, then nothing else is going to die via mandrake. So I think, you know, but it's a good idea. That's a good theory. The mandrakes. It'd be Neville. Neville will kill Voldemort because Neville will remember the mandrakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what if I think what if Voldemort hmm? had earmuffs? Would that work? <laughs> Voldemort has is always sporting earmuffs. For an earmuff. You know, no. There's our fan art challenge for this week. Black. <laughs> Voldemort in his earmuffs. In his earmuffs. <laughs> like Sharika. <laughs> oh dear. Sorry. No, but I loved I loved when Kristen said that. Um, I think I think Kristen yeah, like, once said damn. that. Har- Voldemort would be evil overlord monologuing, and Harry would sneak up behind him and kill him. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> His fatal error would be talking too much. Yeah. All right. Well, death by monologue. There you go. That was silly enough for today. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the Hi next guys. one. This is Nora from Ireland. I just had a quick question. I was just wondering what you guys thought of um, the role that Luna and Draco are going to play in the last book. Um, I wasn't expecting either of them to have as much of a role as they did in um, Half-Blood Prince. So I just thought if you had an opinion on whether or not you thought they were going to be phased out or given a bigger role, especially Draco. Um, Much love. Bye. Mm. Well, Draco will be phased out as he'll be killed in one of the first three chapters. I think so, too. You think he'll die? I don't don't know that he'll die, but I think that... um... I think his dad is going to bite the dust. I don't think Draco is, though. Well, his dad technically didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny that you say that because his dad is in less peril than Draco is right now. Right. Voldemort yeah. out and out told him if he didn't didn't complete his task, he'd be killed. And he didn't complete his task. Snape did. Now the question is whether Snape's going to cover for him. Oh, I think he will. To. I think Snape will. I don't think Draco's going to die. I really don't. I don't know. I think he's a dead man walking. I don't know about the first three chapters, but yeah. I think that I think he's. Uh, I don't know. I, I still don't think that uh, Draco necessarily failed mm. in anything that he did. In the last book to Voldemort, he did. Why? Voldemort said, "Kill Dumbledore." Did he? We don't kill know that he said that at all. Draco said that. What, what Draco would he have said to that? Lie Draco like that? says that Voldemort wanted him to kill Dumbledore. Yes. No. Yeah, that's why he's always crying in the bathroom, right? With Myrtle, and she heard him. He had him a and... task to do. 
We don't know. Which was we still don't Dumbledore. know what the task was because they they let us on to believe in the second chapter of the book. Narcissus said that Draco has something that he has to do. Blah blah blah. They never and said what it was. Did you, did you read the end of the? Of course book, I did. But they still don't say what he had to do. It could have very he, well have been just getting the Death Eaters into the castle. No, no, no. If it was just getting if it was just getting the Death Eaters into the castle, he wouldn't have gone on trying to kill Dumbledore when he knows that somebody his age would be really stupid to try that. Right, because Dumbledore... Why would he try and send poison mean to Dumbledore if the, if the effort was just to get the Death Eaters into the castle? Right, that, that makes no sense. Mm, Dumbledore kept trying to talk him out of it out at the end, so yeah. I don't know. He didn't seem so upset. I mean, and plus, he wouldn't have been crying and sobbing about getting right. the Death Eaters into the castle. When he knew that he had a way to get the Death Eaters into the castle, he was pretty swaggered about it. The thing that he was scared about was actually completing that task, killing Dumbledore. Well, I mean, the part of the deal might have been helping the theaters kill everybody in their way. Where did you get that? I don't know. <laughs> Pull that out of my butt. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, it was to kill Dumbledore. Okay, anyway, it was to kill Dumbledore. Yes. Anyway, what about Luna? Luna. Um, oh, I think she's going to have a, a part, um, you know, if not... Um, I think the, the, the I think Harry will have a fling with her. No, I don't think. Sue, so. you were saying? I'll, I'll be at a short one. What were you saying, Sue? No, I think that her part perhaps there'll be. You know, I, I think the Quibbler might be back more in in this role. Um, maybe they'll start using that. That paper will be taken more as a, a way to rally the the general public against Voldemort. Joe did say yeah. that um, Ravenclaw would have its day. Yeah. We haven't had it yet, and I think that introducing her in book five is a good way to ease her, them into this big role she'll yeah, have. It's in. not going to be Cho Chang giving the glory. <laughs> well, it could be, you know, Unless her Flitwick. Flitwick's Unless in you the need tears. Dude. Yeah, oh no. <laughs> you need tears to make it happen. You know what I just, it just occurred to me? Cho graduated. She's oh. Done. Yep. In, I like Cho. In, yeah, in book six, at the end of book six, They're she would never yeah. even mention it. I mean, not that they're going to be like, oh, yeah, and Cho graduated at the end. But it, yeah. just, it just seems like it's just <laughs> so like, weird. Hey, guys, where's Cho? Oh, she remember she graduated. Okay. <laughs> That's the last time her name's mentioned in the whole series. <laughs> but she's gone, so she probably won't even be in book seven. I mean. Nope. Well, unless they run into her at Madame Puttyfoot's or wherever that little tea shop she hangs out at. Uh, and Harry and Ginny go there. She's sitting there crying about something. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted it with raspberries. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. Like, then they're like, let's, let's get out of here. Get Cho's pipe. Yeah. Anyway. Good cameo, Cho. <laughs> Good stuff. Luna, Luna, I do think, is going to be the person who brings Ravenclaw their due, their day. Yeah. No. She's She seems like a smart one underneath it all. Do you, you think, think she'll be a martyr? you think she'll die no, for Harry? No. 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 I think she think? would if it was to live protect. or die. Luna Lovegood. She's gonna live. There's no uh, no. She's gonna live. Maybe she'll like go and bring the goblins in. You know, she'll have like some quest over the summer that she's found those snorkax or the flying heliotropes or whatever they're. You know, the crumpled then... horn snorkax. Yeah. Do you think she has some sort of out of this world ability? Weird kind of spiritual kind of abilities. Well, maybe see she, things that they're not. Everybody doesn't usually see. She has a sort of misty quality that Joe's pointed out a lot. Yeah. Do you think this actually an actual power or a more of a weird personality trait? I wouldn't be too surprised if there was some sort of power lingering there, latent. That'd be 
That would be awesome. That'd be cool. Maybe she's going to be the one that will help, because I, I still believe that we're going to hear from Sirius in some form. Yeah. Or, you know, that veil. That veil is just not going to be, you know. So maybe she'll be the one to, yeah. like, you know, transmit I w- or... I would like to know why the people that we saw attracted to the veil were so. I know that these are the same people who could see threat- Thestrals, mm-hmm. I think. Um, mm-hmm. Besides, right. we don't know if Ginny could see a Thestral because she wasn't in that class, but... Um, so maybe having seen death or having been close to death makes you more uh, in tune to what, to the whispers coming from behind the veil. But I would like Joe to answer that question. Yeah, I would too. I think a lot of I would like someone to just take a little note and put it on a stick and put it into the veil and see if anybody takes the note. You know, me too. <laughs> I want to know I mean, what, what happens if you put something into the veil. If, is it, does the yeah, stick pull it back out, tied to a little rope. But and when everybody it's you in, though. But if you put, the put that little thing in, would it draw you in? You know, well, like, you tie the other end of it to something you know? strong, like the building. Oh, the whole building goes then. And all that's that left is be, a veil fluttering in the be, London street. That'd be uh, pretty neat. <laughs> Would it but you know what? Right? I really she needs to explain that because if they've been studying this, I'm sure that they've tried this in the past. Someone's yeah. had to poke something. Like, Come on, yeah. how else do you study the thing? Right. I, exactly. Yeah, I want to know how they study. What do they do? Right. Do they just sit around there? Like, I, oh God, I want to know. There's so much she's got to do in this book. I know. That's why so I think this book. I hope it's ten thousand pages long, Joe, or at least the history yeah, or encyclopedia or whatever explains this. Because um, I hope it has to be delivered yeah. to everybody's home in carts. Absolutely. Things are getting crazy. Yes. Yeah. Dude, I'd sit there for five weeks and read something oh. day in and day out. It's fine with me. Yeah. Uh, okay. Cool. They call it the Harry Potter diet because you have no time to eat or drink or anything. <laughs> Just sit there and read. You lose 10 pounds. Just when you thought it was safe, now it comes the Harry Potter diet. Yeah. For nine ninety nine, you two can just, I don't know. I lost 23 pounds on the Harry Potter diet. All right, next, next, last voicemail. Hi, this is Andrew from Miami, and I was just wondering, um, Joe Rowling has never really gotten that deep into describing how exactly you destroy a Horcrux. I mean, we saw Harry destroy the Riddle's Diary in uh, Chamber of Secrets, and I was wondering how Dumbledore destroyed the ring and how R.A.B. may have destroyed the locket. Just wondering on your thoughts uh, of the show, and keep them coming. Bye. That's a good question. Yeah. And no, you don't burn them in your ovens. <laughs> John tried you, that; um, it failed. It didn't yes. work. That, that Why? How do? How do you think Dumbledore burned on that hand. on that same note burned his hand? Well, here's the thing: we saw one Horcrux destroyed. We saw right. Harry, and I don't think the answer is a, a basilisk fang every time. That'd be awesome <laughs> if it was. <laughs> they had to go get that fang again, and he's running around with it in his pocket all the time. But the venom on, is supposed me, to burn, right? Right. Well, I that just think, I, my theory was that that ring was cursed and there was some sort of booby trap or something on it that that's why his hand got hurt and he wasn't prepared for all the different, I mean, I think he anticipated quite a level of, you know, um, magic, you know, that there was some sort of black magic guarding it or whatever, but that he couldn't foresee well, everything. Must, so I think each, must each not one's forget that, what, Joe? that that thing could have outright killed Dumbledore had Snape not done some serious yeah. right. uh, magic right. to, to help him, yeah. which I think is interesting, too. One powerful So here's thing. what we got. We got something that destroys Dumbledore's hands and almost kills him, guarding one Horcrux. Mm-hmm. The one that we saw in book six, or almost saw in book six, had all those in fairy and that big complicated thing. How in the world is Harry going to destroy four Horcruxes and not die? 
Well, I don't think maybe it's not all going to be Harry. Maybe it'll be somebody else. Maybe, maybe it'll be Neville do it accidentally. You know, yeah. I mean, I don't. Does it have to be Harry that destroys each of the of the Horcruxes? And if Voldemort knows that his Horcruxes, I don't know if he knows that any of his Horcruxes have been found. He's got to know about the ring by now. But if yeah. he knows this stuff, couldn't he just say, "Okay, screw having a trophy Horcrux. I'm just going to go find like something and make it a Horcrux." Couldn't he have like twenty five of them by now? Yeah, we don't know how many he split. I mean, he could have split more, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I do not know. I'm confused. You don't know. This could this could turn into an hour long conversation. Well, okay. It's How do we think Horcrux? I think it depends right. well, on we, each one. That's my answer. It's, I think we can safely assume that what attacked Dumbledore from the Horcrux was not the magic of the Horcrux itself, but some sort of enchantment. Right. That's a safe. Because the yeah. converse of that is the Horcrux knows it's being destroyed, so it does some sort of defensive attack mm-hmm. to to the to person because if that was true then Harry would have been messed up after he knocked out that diary or while he was trying to. So there might have been some special enchantments on that ring, which makes sense because the if the diary was the first horcrux and when he, he did it at such a young age then right. maybe he didn't protect later it in that life way. when he did the ring he he knew more complicated enchantments to put on that thing yeah. in case it was discovered. Yeah, that was like the test horcrux, the easy horcrux. Yeah. But was was that locket a horcrux? Is that the rampant theory right now? Because that thing was all protected, right? We had to go through a series of, I mean, that's why those, well, the Army of the Dead was there, right? To protect that prob- thing? There was probably the real locket underneath it, and they put the fake locket. I mean, I don't think yeah. that locket itself was the horcrux. I think that the locket that they couldn't open in Grimald Place was the horcrux. Yeah. 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 And that you can get to it, you can touch it or whatever, but I think none of them could open it because if they did... <laughs> well, no. Remember there was like an inscription of like a little serpent on it or something when they were reading, when they were looking at it in the pensive or something, but when they actually looked at the one that they discovered, it was just a playing locket. It wasn't even the same locket. That's the one in the yeah. cave, but the one that they found at Grimold Place, none Place. of them could open. Right. Yeah, that's, that's the actual that's one. The one in the, the cave actual. was a playing locket. Yeah, right. Well, that I think that's what Regulus, I believe, switched him, right? So he had the real locket somewhere. Well, here's my question. He switched them and then replaced the water? Like, I guess it was just magic to fill up, I guess? Well, no, no. This, yeah. Well, or maybe <clears throat> maybe, maybe Voldemort didn't know it was switched. Is that possible that Voldemort went to check on it and, and didn't realize that the switch had happened and and then did his enchantments to fill it up? You know, I, I don't know. know. I think because because remember Harry Harry and Dumbledore left that thing empty, right? So if Voldemort had been there, I think I think I don't I, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's possible to assume that the thing may reset itself. True. If the thing was smart enough to know that the water taken out of it had to be drank and not dumped, it'd be smart enough to know that once it's empty, it may have to refill itself. I don't know what. Who Regulus thought he was kidding by putting a fake locket in there, thinking that, oh, this will fool dumb, this will fool Voldemort for a while. Well, but, you know, I don't think that he was entirely stupid, though. I mean, he was a Death Eater, and he came mm-hmm. from a family of, ble- you know, of dark arts. So I think he had some certain, uh, he was certainly cognizant enough, I think, to be aware that he had to do some sort of thing to, to fool him. So. Yeah, well, absolutely, he intended Voldemort to eventually find the locket like right. that, because he wrote a note. Yeah, I know, him. I know, but what? <laughs> put a note, why you put a locket? 
Well, this will fool. Look, I'll put a locket. I'll go out of my way to get a locket. Eh, just to, to be him. fun, I guess. I can like conjure a locket. I, I guess. Stone in the cave. Maybe, maybe he thought that the the basin needed a locket, needed a, something of a similar weight. Yeah, kind of, kind of, you know, like how it, what was that movie? Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark or whatever. When he went, went in to switch the one in the temple, and he had to switch <laughs> it and like switch it with yeah. a bag of dirt or something, you know? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I don't know. So that's anyway. Yeah, he didn't want the inferior to come out and attack him. Yeah. So maybe that's what he did. He like snuck in and just switched it real fast. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a million different. Who knows? You know, I don't know. It, it, it was, and what a boring existence for those poor inferior down there to have to wait all that time for someone to come mess with the locket before yeah, they can pack anybody. It's just like it's just like in Lord of the Rings, man. It's the, the army of the dead yeah. down there, little. Just like being dead. Dead people isn't it? in the lake. I, I got nothing to do. Don't touch the lake. There's okay. dead people in there, Mister Harry. Don't touch it. Hey, that I think that's it for the mail. <laughs> Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. We're back. And we're back. Bet you missed us. It's like we never left. I know. <laughs> that five-second break and with a little bit of music. Well, you know, I went and I had dinner. It was wonderful. I went and emptied the dishwasher, so there you go. It's exciting oh. life. <laughs> Exciting times here at Pottercast. Any more exciting? Oh boy, man! How about that show, boys and girls? That's it what I call good, show. One of the best twenty nines we've ever done. Yeah, I should say. All right, all right, all right. It's the end of Pottercast. Twenty what? Twenty nine. Next week. 20 God, guys, next Neobay. week number thirty. Big three zero. Oh. We've never done like a celebration. Like we've only just said, you know, hey, isn't that cool? Which is why number thirty will be a huge celebration. It will. Of mammoth scale um, and proportion. Sure. You know why? We're going to have all kinds of celebrity guests and fancy prizes. Yeah. And it's going to be, you know what it was? It's going to be incredible. We're going to celebrate Sue's birthday. That's right. Sue's birthday. It's going to be Hufflepuff Day here on Pottercast, baby. Oh, Woo-hoo! man. It's going to be we didn't Hufflepuff have a, Day. Huff, we didn't Huff, have Huff, like Huff, a coffee day on mine. Oh. Okay, then we will. No, it's this okay. Is, this we is can Sue have here we're talking about. We can have Hufflepuff Day. But no, we can't because some of the things that we have planned aren't Hufflepuffy. Mm. So. Well, how about just like a little Hufflepuff segment where we all sing the glories of, of Hufflepuff? How about you ask Guru... Wow, that'd be like a 10-second song. <laughs> just and loyal. What about you go? You hang out with Guru and Laurie in the podcast and we can talk about Hufflepuff if you want. Hey, that's a good plan. I want to do it. Talk about the glories of the great Hufflepuff. Hufflepuffer. <laughs> Is that your chant now? (laughs) She did that on the news. I was listening. I think I listened to to number six Mm -hmm. this week out of just horrible curiosity. And I heard you going huff, 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 huff in the news. I do it all the time. (laughs) I need to come up with like some good Hufflepuff lyrics. You know, Justin Loyal, working through the night. Hufflepuff. I can just totally picture you. Okay, that's that's Sue's challenge for the week. Send her some Hufflepuff lyrics. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can just picture you like jogging around the neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do. The way when I run, people (laughs) at their mailboxes watching you, like, what is that lady up to? (laughs) No, the leaky people are working out. Recently, I know the leaky gym. We got a leaky gym going. Oh, that's Sniper's broke rule number one. You don't talk about Leaky Jim. First rule about Leaky Jim, you don't talk about Leaky Jim. Uh, well, maybe we're just like practicing or dancing. I just, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we are, some of us have been dancing a lot. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Yeah, Good so next stuff. week, next Worst week. Worst wrap up ever. 
I know. It's <laughs> terrible. All right, what well, are we talking it. about? Okay. Hey, listen, it's better than pluses and bloods. Hey, we haven't got through yet. Bloods. <laughs> There'll be time for the plus. You didn't even tell them how to call in for voicemails Oh, we today. didn't. We stink. We could do that now. Oh, you didn't. We can do it now at the end. How about this? Here. How do you call a voicemail in to Pottercast? Here's what you do. You open your web browser. Open your web browser. Go to Pottercast.com. Go to Pottercast.com. And you'll see a bunch of numbers right at the top. See a bunch of numbers and pluses. Use one of those. <laughs> Use one of those. Read one to me. How about you? Just in how case about, how they're about listening in their cars John, and in front of their Nothing websites. would make me happier than for you to. Um, I don't do memorize the numbers. I do. Well, why don't you take our advice and open Pottercast.com? I'm gonna go here. Click, 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 click. Pottercast.com. It's a lot of clicking, babe. Yay! The number of voicemail in the U.S. is one dot seven zero two dot forty two dot fifty three two fifty nine. Which is. In parentheses, that's a bunch of numbers leaky at the end. <laughs> and then so over in the uck is a plus and O two O that's seventy one ninety three that twenty eight seventy two. Or something. Don't forget that plus. In the uck. In the uck. Oh, in the in the UK. In the UK. It's the same number for the uck. Don't just refer back to that number. We actually got five listeners from the Ox, says the Patrick survey. Excellent. Yeah. So says the survey. That's great. Ding. Survey says, worst wrap-up ever. Can we get out of here? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, people. going away. Next week will be better. Wow. It's been a slow news week. It's been a slow everything Well, we just week. talked about everything already. Oh, that's not too much DVD actions. All right. All right, guys. He's on down. On down the road. <laughs> what is that you sing every week? <laughs> it's from The Wiz. Wiz. Didn't you ever watch that? Come on, magic. I'm not a fan of The Wiz. Oh, man. You cannot be a Broadway a fan, fan if you don't know that. Well, That's The Wiz great. is great. Well, it wasn't on Broadway. I never liked that show. It's a movie. Oh, boy. Let's get out of here. All right. Okay, I'm leaving. I'm going away. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening, boys and girls. Sorry to interrupt your nap. Yeah. <laughs> I think they already were napping. Throwing that best wrap up ever. Just go! You're wasting time! Well, I can always do another Hufflepuff cheer, so you better watch out. Oh, let's get out of here okay. before that happens. <laughs> oh, and about time to. Bye! We've missed it! I confess myself disappointed. Bye bye. See you next, See you next week. week. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. <laughs>